Well, again, just like John said, uh, we are really thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful for those of you who are choosing to just work on your base tan for August. You are the real MVPs. I appreciate that. Hey, again, my name is John, if we've not met before, and uh, I get to serve as a pastor here, and uh, one of the most exciting things for me right now in this role is figuring out what mornings on Sunday look like. <laughs> so it's looked a little bit different, and I bet your life has looked a little bit different as well. Uh, one of the things I just really appreciate about summer, and maybe you appreciate this about summer as well, is the opportunity to travel. How many of you already have done like a day trip or maybe a longer trip just in the car, got away somewhere fun? All right, so pretty much all of us. That is the beauty of Michigan, that you just want to get away from it in the summer. So what I love about Michigan and even just heading to the beach in Michigan is the fact that on the way, you typically have to stop for food. That is one of the highlights for me of travel, is stopping for food. There's actually a game Lindsay developed kind of early on in our marriage. Um, I just like to call them fast food wars. And fast food wars happen when you see a sign on an exit, and there's like five or six typically different fast food options, options, and she'll begin to ask me just a battery of questions like, all right, John, if you had to choose McDonald's or Burger King, what would you choose? Like, made me think real quick about it, just gut response. Okay, there's a Chick-fil-A and a Chipotle. Which one would you choose? For those of you who know me, know that's like the eternal torment of my soul. What do I choose of those two incredible blessings from the Lord? So I think about that. Burger King versus Wendy's. Which do you choose? You got two. Taco Bell or Chipotle versus Qdoba. Which do you choose? Like, making me choose. Uh, and I think that's really, really funny to do with a group of people, and so that's exactly what we're going to do. Okay, I want to know, based on who is here in this parking lot, if you had to choose, and you're going to say it out loud, don't raise your hand or text it in or something weird. I want to, I want you to be proud of your decision, okay? So on the count of three, I'll count down. And you just got to shout out which one you choose of the options I present. Everyone on board with this? Okay, we're going for it. Here we go. McDonald's or Wendy's? Three, two, hey, calm down, you excited people. You're like, oh, Wendy's! Yeah, sea salt fries, whatever that means. Okay, three, two, one. Okay, house divided. All right, let's try an easier one. Should be easier. Chipotle or Qdoba? Three, two, one, go. Okay, maybe not so easy. All right. Let's up our game a little bit in the price range. Outback or Texas Roadhouse? Three, two, one. Okay, I got. we have some consensus there. That's where we're all going for church after church lunch. Okay, uh, let's try one more, a little bit more sophisticated uh, on the border or Taco Bell? Okay, that was easy. Never mind. That was, a, that was a freebie. What I think is funny, like, it, if we disagreed on those things, which we all clearly disagreed on all of them, uh, if we disagreed on them, it doesn't create a lot of barriers for us. Like, if one of you said McDonald's and I chose Wendy's, you're not going to stop coming to our church, I don't think, unless you work at one of those places. Uh, you're, you're not going to make decisions about your life based on the fact that we disagree about those couple things, like does that make, if you're watching online right now with this beautiful camera, uh, if you disagree, there's probably a good chance um, that it wouldn't create a lot of personal barriers for you. Now, if we played the same game with Fox News and CNN, I'd say we maybe have a little bit bigger barrier between us. If I played the, the Trump versus Biden game in November, there may be a little bit more disagreement among us. If I said mask or no mask, there'd be a good chance that the barrier would get a little bit bigger, a little bit taller than if we just disagreed about McDonald's and Wendy's. We did talked about COVID, hoax, pandemic, or real virus and, and the plague. Like, 
if we had to pick where are you at, and we all probably disagree on that on some level, those create a little bit more significant barriers to have to overcome. Now, if you ask the question, today we're talking about this question, whose side is God on? Typically, if you ask that question yourself, uh, you're probably a lot like me. 99.9% .9 of the time, God is on my side. <laughs> He's on the one that I agree with. He's on the cultural issue side that, that I land on. But I want to ask the second layer of that question, what if we're wrong? What if we're wrong? What if there's actually much, much more going on than trying to figure out whose side of what issue is God on? Should the church be on? Should my pastor be on? Should my family be on? What if there's something much greater taking place? And, and I don't know about you, but just try to picture a cultural landscape in which people are divided on issues. Okay, just try to picture that. Maybe that's hard for you. Maybe you flew in from some other country and, and you're not really sure how America works. Well, I would say we'd all probably agree that there is there are barriers in front of us as a church, as people, as families, as cities, as communities, and even uh, as followers of Jesus. That there are very real challenges to unity and being one and building bridges in our community. If you have a Bible on a phone or you brought one with you, I'm going to really encourage you to turn to Acts 15. Because in Acts 15, we actually get a glimpse into a very real cultural divide that was taking place. In fact, it's probably one of the most famous disagreements in all of Scripture. And in Acts 15, the church has been, for at least 15 chapters, growing, rapidly expanding, experiencing healing. We, we talked a few weeks ago about Pentecost and just the fact that the Holy Spirit has come and fallen on a specific group of people and, and equipped them for mission. Well, look what happens in verse 1 of chapter 15, Acts 15, verse 1. Luke writes, Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and we're teaching the believers, and this is what they were saying. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. I want you to let that sink in for a moment, because essentially, let me do the modern-day paraphrase. If you do not align with how we think your body should be anatomically, <laughs> uh, basically you can't be saved. I'm sorry you're going to hell. That's how it's going to end for you. Now, Jews were on one side of this issue. Gentiles were on the other side of this issue. Why I think verse 1 is really interesting is they disagreed so strongly, they take a 300-mile walk by foot to let them know that they disagree. Literally, if you trace the geography of Judea to Antioch, it's around 300 miles. Most scholars would say that takes you about 20 to, to 25 days worth of walking in flip-flops, in the sand, in Israel. That does not sound appealing to me. Like that... That's a long journey to let them know that there are barriers uh, at the church and, and barriers among them as people. They are facing, as Jews and Gentiles, an absolutely enormous cultural divide. It's hard for us to even grasp, uh, but maybe we're getting a better picture today in 2020 of what that might feel like. There's literally for them thousands of years of animosity, of hatred, of disgust, there were laws forbidding them to be like this other cultural group. Gentiles were actually forcibly removed from Jewish areas because they were not circumcised. Jews were ridiculed almost daily when they lived in Gentile-heavy areas. There are actually Gentile laws. You can trace this back to history, in which Gentiles would say, if you try to circumcise your child and be like a Jew, we're going to kill you and your child. Like, they were that violent about how much these barriers divided them 
Uh, Jews believed uncircumcised or Gentiles basically are morally corrupt, had no hope of a godly life, and Gentiles would decide to kill anyone who tried to adapt to the Jewish way of living. Now, I want you to keep reading with me in verse 2 and look how they respond to this incredible barrier. Luke writes that this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute. They were disagreeing. They recognized the barrier and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem, take the journey back 300 miles by foot, to go back to Jerusalem and to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Now, if you pause there and you don't read the rest of the book of Acts, essentially you think problem solved, right? Everything's figured out. The disagreement, they, they traveled 300 miles back to make the situation right, which is an incredible journey in and of itself. But look what happens in verse 6. Maybe not as neatly tied up as we thought. So the apostles, elders, they meet to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and he addressed them. Listen to what Peter says. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles, the people you disagree with, the people on the other side of your cultural barriers, that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. That Acts 1 was not just for Jews and those inside, but it was for everyone. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No. We believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved, just as they are. That it's not what cultural side of issues that they land on, it's actually the fact that they all are in need of God's grace. So you hear how strongly Peter's communicating this. In verse 10, he literally says, don't put up unnecessary barriers. Don't put up a yoke that other people are not able to carry. Basically, if you're thinking about this Acts 15 chapter, you can summarize it by saying, Peter's point here is not about what side you land on or trying to figure out what side is God on, but recognizing as a follower of Jesus, you and I are in desperate need of grace. We need grace for ourselves. We need grace in our marriages. We need grace for the people we disagree with. We need grace for those who uh, like to kind of go after us on Facebook. We need, peop- we need grace for the, the political climate where we need grace for the racial environment that we are in. We need grace. It's more important than finding what side do I land on. It's important to recognize that we're all in, needs of, in need of grace. Can I take this one step further? Are you okay for just a little awkwardly bold truth this morning? I want you to hear this. That in our church, there are Christians who love Jesus and are trying to follow him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly who are going to vote for someone that you're not going to vote for this fall. There are people in our church who are on all sides of the spectrum as it relates to how their family is responding to COVID-19. They, they may think absolutely opposite to you. In fact, there are people who are not here because of how they're responding, and they're, they're people you probably know and love. There are people who, on the full 
spectrum of how we should reconcile uh, race together and how God has really designed us for unity who are approaching those conversations in a completely different way than you would. And yet, this is exactly what Acts 15 is all about. That it's not about what side you land on. It's the fact that we can sit here together and disagree on issues that are actually really, really important and still be the body of Christ. What God is not after is all of us to agree. Because if you have a family or you've ever tried to date somebody or you're in a marriage, you know that that doesn't work that way, right? Like uh, the strongest relationships are one you can fight and, and be incredibly bold on your convictions and yet still love the other person and recognize, wow, I'm in need of grace. And so the invitation from Acts 15, the invitation for us as a church to come back stronger is not to recognize, oh my goodness, we have so many barriers because we already know that. But the challenge for us today is deciding, will I be a bridge builder in the midst of all those barriers? Will I decide that the things that unite us are actually greater than that, that divide us? Someone smarter than me said that. But when I think about this chapter, that's exactly what I think about. Are there real issues to be solved in our culture? Yes. Are there real struggles that, that, that could divide us and keep us from being the unified church Jesus dreamed of? Yes. But here's what I know. I believe the church should lead the way in building bridges. That the church should be the one not to say, wow, we have so many barriers in front of us. This world is going to hell. But actually deciding we're going to bring heaven on earth as the church. We're going to be those types of people. And if I'm really, really, really honest with you, and we're outside, things are already weird and different, so I'm just going for it anyway. Uh, the church should lead the way for the fight in racial justice. I don't want Congress leading that fight. I don't want to trust our, even our government leaders to have to lead that fight. I don't want the organizations of our world that think they have a corner on how to bring racial equality or reconciliation because without Jesus, that is literally an impossible dream to achieve. But yet, as a church, we know we're in need of grace, and God has called us to be bridge builders, so we're going to work to figure it out. We're going to work for unity together. If you keep reading in verse 12, look at what happens in the story. I think this is incredible. Because the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul tell about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them, among the people they disagreed with that God was at work. So when they finished, another guy jumps up. James pops up. I imagine he's a pretty bold guy because he says, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophet, so calling all the way back to the Old Testament, they are in agreement with this. As it's written, after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, James says. It's my discerning decision, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We shouldn't make it difficult. We shouldn't put up unnecessary barriers between us. We should be bridge builders. Now, I don't know if you like camping or not, but this reference to David's tent kind of flagged my, my thinking, and I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, David's tent, what, what are they talking about? Really, this is an ancient prophecy straight out of the book of Amos. Some of you have read through the Bible and you went through all those minor prophets. Amos is one of the ones that you maybe stumbled your way through. But this is directly ripped from Amos's uh, prophecy. Basically, if I can again modernize what this is saying, 
is James is speaking up and saying, when you and I decide to build bridges over barriers, we reveal God's kingdom right here on earth. We let people know that there's a greater future that God is writing in our culture and in our world. We fulfill the dream God had for his people all along. That's to be a witness to the world around us, that unity, that reconciliation, that bridges are possible when we allow God to work through uh, so I want to ask you the question, if you're taking notes on your phone or you're just thinking about this even today, I want to ask you, two, ask you two really important questions, and I want you to wrestle with them. Number one, what bridges do I need to build? What bridges do I need to build? There's a good chance that you already are awesome. You have an A-plus at identifying barriers in your life with other people. I'm not talking about like abstract. I mean like tomorrow when you go to work barriers, things that are different, people you disagree with online or even in person. What bridges do you need to build? Second question, what barriers do you need to destroy? What barriers do you need to destroy? For the Gentiles and Jews, there were thousands of years of really broken history that they had to decide, we're going to tear this down brick by brick and build a different future. Stop making it difficult is what Jesus says. Sometimes, um, if I'm really honest, and I, th- I thought a lot about this the last week, because even in my own life, there are barriers and bridges. There are barriers I need to tear down, bridges I need to build. Sometimes when I scroll through Facebook, I get really, really sad. Does anyone else? Like, anytime I go on the Internet, typically I don't leave it feeling more optimistic about our world. <laughs> I, I feel a little bit more depressed uh, when I do that. And I started to think about why is that true? Why is that? Because as I scroll through Facebook and get sad, I was trying to think, okay, John, why, why does that make you sad? Like, why does that affect you? so much. And here's why. Because it reminds me of how far we have to go in order to really build bridges, how far we have yet to see God's kingdom realize, and, and how much energy and time and, and argumentative kind of behavior we practice. Um, and it just keeps us from building bridges. We spend so much time debating masks and do blue lives matter more than black lives and just debating things that really are, if you look at scripture, are not issues. They just aren't. And for me, I think about how much room we have in order, to, in order to grow. And I look at my own life, I'm like, wow, John, you are so far from this dream being realized. And the call for me is the same as the call is for you. John, what bridges do you need to build today? What barriers do you need to destroy? Proverbs 18.2, a real simple verse that I have really tried to impress upon my own heart when it comes to some of these conversations, uh, the writer of Proverbs, one of the wisest people to walk the planet, uh, said, fools delight in airing their own opinions, but the wise seek understanding. That just sounds like social media to me. <laughs> like, fools delight in airing their own opinions, often uninformed, often not nuanced, often addressing really complex issues, sometimes with overly simple answers, and yet it says the wise, they seek understanding. And understanding leads to building bridges over barriers. I thought about this question, too, uh, as I was just studying for this weekend. And I, I've searched the scriptures, and, and there's obviously a lot of prayers in them. There's obviously a lot of prayers for unity. Uh, I think about even John 17. And did you know that Jesus has one unanswered prayer? Just one. There's a lot of things Jesus prayed for that happened. But there's something he's prayed for that has not happened yet. And it's his prayer for unity, for the church of Jesus Christ to, to build bridges over barriers. 
That prayer to be one as the Father and the Spirit and Son are one has not yet taken place. And for me, I, I want to be a part of that answer, don't you? Like, I want to be a part of I want to live in that answer. I, I want us as a church, as a community of, of Jesus Christ, as followers who are sacrificing for a greater mission, I, I want us to fulfill that. And the way you do that is by building bridges over barriers. The way you and I do that is by trying to acknowledge what, what bridges have yet to be built in my life, in my family, in my marriage, in my workplace, and what barriers do I need to work to tear down. Here's, that thing is airbound. <laughs> what I think is really funny is that as you search the scriptures and literally, uh, I actually threw out, we have some Mark devotionals in the back that you can feel free to take and to use. We journeyed through Mark all the way up until this past June. Like January to June, we journeyed through the gospel of Mark. In the gospel, have you recognized that Jesus never fully agreed with anybody? He was always ticking people off, infuriating religious leaders. In fact, there were really two, two schools of thought with the modern rabbis, and Jesus ended up somehow disagreeing with all of them. And yet, there was something greater taking place. And yet, Jesus was the most lovable human being to ever walk the planet. He, he unified people who often found themselves disagreeing. So I'm going to kind of nerd out for, here for a second, um, and then we're going to be done. I want to just ask that next level of question that maybe you're already thinking about. Where do I start with this? Where do we go from here? If, if you buy into the kingdom dream that I've bought into with my entire life to say, I really believe that God has called us as a church to see zero lives unchanged, to bring God's kingdom here, and, and realize that right here in our community, and I've realized that that takes me being a bridge builder instead of just acknowledging barriers in my world, I want to give you three phrases. Three phrases to, to practice saying this week. Now, this may be online. This may be in a personal conversation. This may do wonders in your marriage or in your relationship or with uh, your parenting. I want to practice these three phrases together as a church. The first phrase is this, if you're taking notes. Number one, tell me more. Tell me more. Again, Proverbs 18.2, fools delight in airing their own opinions, but the wise seek understanding. Tell me more. You disagree with me on this? Tell, tell me more about that. Help me understand you a little bit better. Tell me more. Uh, that's phrase number one. Phrase number two, really, really simple, and this has done wonders for me in so many ways, and I literally had to practice this this morning already as we were setting up. I, number two, I have to say I was wrong. I was wrong about this. I was wrong to respond that way. I was wrong to say that about you. I was wrong to assume something that is not true. I was wrong. Tell me more. I was wrong. And number three is really simple. And we kind of already touched on this with Proverbs. Help me understand. Help me understand. Again, what our world is craving for, what the people you and I work with and interact with uh, on the walk into Meyer, our craving is not to identify, oh my goodness, these people of Center Church are so good at picking out barriers. Wow. We, we need to be an uncommon group of people and have a different culture that when people, uh, in this case, walk into our parking lot, that they understand there's something different here. These people are not hung up on the barriers of this world, though they acknowledge that they're real. They embrace those and acknowledge we are called to be bridge builders that I am a bridge builder. As a disciple of Jesus, that is my responsibility. That third phrase, help me understand, invites conversation. 
Instead of talking past each other, we start talking to one another and with one another. Again, this message may not be for you today, but you're going to need it sometime. You, you may not feel the cultural pressures that maybe some of us feel today, that maybe I feel today, but you will sometime. And so the invitation, again, from Jesus is to be a bridge builder over barriers, but to decide we're going to be part of that solution. And so that's really just a prayer. I've prayed over you, and I want to pray that over you just right here gathered together. And we're going to kind of close in worship and, and move on with the rest of the morning. Uh, but I just know if we can tap into the power of that, this world will be very different. Maybe not the entire world. Maybe we can't change the entire political climate of the U.S. right now. Maybe we can't fix all of the racial injustices that we uh, are a part of or experience. But yet, we can be part of the solutions to those. We can be people that decide we are going to build bridges. Would you pray with me? Jesus, uh, we just acknowledge your, your kingdom right now. We acknowledge that we are part of a move of God that is so much bigger than even just the people seated in this room. We acknowledge that as we're gathering right here in this parking lot or we're gathering online, that you want to do something new in us. There's a new culture that we don't want to go back to normal, but that we really do desire Holy Spirit to come back stronger. And Lord, we're just convinced as a church, as people, as leaders, as business owners, as employees, as parents, as students, as people wrestling with these barriers, that we need you and we need your Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us so that we can truly be bridge builders. Help us, Holy Spirit. We need you. We depend on you, Jesus. So help us to acknowledge just your kingship in our lives, to acknowledge and surrender to that reality. And I thank you for the hope of, of death and resurrection, that even though things were grim and dark and broken, you were doing something new, and we sense that same work in us now. In the midst of the crises we're facing, financially, relationally, for some of us physically, and we're asking you to step in, Jesus. Help us to be the kind of people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we respond and worship together? Let's sing to our King.